Hello everybody and welcome to episode one of The Misbehaviorists with me, your host, Ben O'Loughlin, and my esteemed co-host, Dr. John Highland. John, how are you? Hey Ben, how are you getting on over there? I'm very well, I'm keeping very well. I'm here in Amsterdam, sunny very Amsterdam nice. actually, sunny Amsterdam. Can't say the same for here to be honest now. I mean, oh, last night <clears throat> the rain was torrential. It was... Oh my God, it just lashed. So it was mad. I, I, lo- I love the way two Irish people start chatting and they're straight into the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Be prepared, people. A lot of weather discussion. <laughs> um, yeah, it just lashed overnight now, it did. And it was, it's not raining at the moment, but my God, you know, we had, we had hard a, a few days ago. We had to um, watch our water usage. You know, there was like, a, there was a kind of a suggested cap put on water usage. Because it, um, it rains too much. <clears throat> no, because we weren't getting enough. I think so. We were actually. Oh, really? So we're, we're yeah, owed, because we're the, owed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, the weather has been really good over here the last few weeks. Uh, so they were kind of saying, you know, we need a lot of rain for us to be able to have mm. enough kind of surplus. Sure. Um, so, but I, to, to be honest, it rained so much last night. I'd say they got. It Hopefully, delighted. they got a bit of success. Yeah, yeah. yeah it would have been the powers that be over <laughs> water usage and irish water management yeah they've had enough troubles over the years yeah yeah you know the rain is kind of helping them out in this case i've always found it funny though like actually let's talk about psychology while we're here because we're just we're going into a chat about irish irish water so (laughs) so to to uh to inform our massive following what we're here to do and what we're here to talk about um, how the perry is yeah so to give an over, maybe John, you'll give a quick overview of what we're going to talk about. You're you're the expert, I suppose, in behavioral science. Do you want me to to talk a little bit about this episode, or do you want me to talk a little bit about kind of the well, let, the general well, let, themes? Well, let's go. Well, maybe let's start with us, and then see yeah, how, okay. how 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 we how we came to here, and then uh, then we can go into behavioral science a bit later on. Cool. That sounds good. So, hi everybody. I'm John. Uh, John Highland, and um, my background is is psychology uh, primarily. So I did my my undergrad in psychology back back in the day, and then just after that, then I went on. I did a master's in cognitive science, and just following that, then I did a PhD in experimental analysis of behavior. So mm. very kind of uh, behavioral behavioral focused PhD. Um, and then since then, I, since I graduated, then I took up a lecturing position and I've been, I've been kind of in the area of, of academia ever since really. Um, cool. so this is a, a nice welcome break from publication, manuscript writing and teaching and actually doing something a bit more mm. audio visual online. So how about yourself? Well, I've, I've, I've a mix, I'm a mixed bag. I would say um, that's always a good thing. Yeah. So, f- so for those listening, John was my supervisor for my bachelor's thesis. Yeah. In I don't know how Psycho- long ago. How long ago? Well, it was that. It was psychology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to remember. Yeah, what it did was... I do that in again? <laughs> um, in yeah, it was general psychology, and I'd say that was about eight years ago. Was it? That makes. I'd sense? say so, give or take. It might. I think the the I suppose the um the 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 uh, the thesis part might have been a little bit less because that would have been in your sure. final year. Yeah, but yeah, I'd sure, say yeah, the yeah. kind of maybe starting starting the course was yeah two thousand eleven two thousand twelve maybe. Yeah, yeah. So something yeah, like so I I think it was something like that. So maybe we started in yeah. two thousand twelve and finished in 2015, yeah. 16. Yeah. So I'm a bit of a mixed bag. So I for the first uh, half of my life I was a musician. Well, I still am a musician, but I put a lot of time into that. And then I was working in restaurants and stuff. And then I kind of, excuse me, wanted to change my career path. So about eight or nine years ago, I think, I decided to go back and study psychology. Um, so I did that for four years. John, as I said, was one of my lecturers. Then uh, I took a keen interest in behavioral economics and economic psychology and consumer psychology it's like the the 
the where economics and psychology kind of intersect and decision making around money and buying behavior and a lot of not not just that but it's a, it's a lot of it is how we make ir- irrational decisions how our de- how our de- how our decision making is influenced heavily influenced by our emotional emotional brain rather than our rational brain and you'd think like i think standard economics says that people are selfish and only out to for themselves but you see in all these kind of uh, game theory and different uh, economic games that that's not the case so it's really inter- it's it's super interesting and in how you can apply that to you can apply it everywhere like it, not not just in sales stuff but in, in in your own personal life and how to uh, how to approach the world better and to make better decisions yourselves so that's what that's what I kind of got really interested in and then after that I worked for a, a startup in so my masters I should have said was in the Netherlands I moved to the Netherlands uh, to Tilburg in the south um, and I spent a year there doing the masters after that I moved to Rotterdam and I worked for a startup first uh, in a sharing economy startup and then I worked for a marketing agency where I learned all about the ins and outs of the mar- marketing industry and like obviously psychology and marketing are somewhat tied together yeah. well it basically well, marketing basically is un- underpinned by psychology yeah. um, and then I worked I, did, I was there for two years and then I started my own business uh, kind of copywriting uh, and doing research for clients uh, and I'm based in Amsterdam now and that's what I'm doing now and it's going really well so far uh, COVID obviously took a bit of a hit but of course same, same, same for everybody you know so te- tell me this did you um, did you move to Rotterdam because of the beautiful South song um, or, or that was, was it, the primary that, that was the primary yeah. reason yeah yeah yeah, yeah I had the, a feeling the, yeah the, the beautiful city and the job opportunity were just kind of second second yeah that. yeah that, that, that's fair enough I thought that <laughs> actually um, just kind of uh, going back to Ben did a, a wonderful uh, undergraduate study uh, where he looked at anchoring mm. and I suppose that was kind of was would that have been your first venture into into kind of your own behavioral economic type research absolutely yeah yeah um my first interest in it was in first year actually I, I think it was first or second year in, in the degree one of my lecturers, so one of your uh, colleagues, um, gave us a paper, a very short paper on, I think it was it was cheating behavior, it was unethical behavior, and how di- different, seemingly irrelevant variables had an impact on people's unethical behavior. For example, uh, it was something I can't remember the specifics, but it was something along the lines of different groups had to do a mathematical tasks or something like that and they had for argument's sake let's say they had half an hour to do it but it was only and there was 20 questions but it was only physically it was only possible physically cognitively whatever possible to finish 10 questions in the time so and they had a scoring system, different scoring systems that people could grade themselves and pay themselves out of money. So essentially that you could you could go, hang on a second. I can just pay myself fully. I can give myself all the money and, and not do any of the questions. So they So the first one was like everyone sat down and then like after like ridiculous meant after two minutes somebody put their hand up and go what do i do when i'm finished all the questions and the instructor goes oh you just come up and then there was all stuff they shredded the paper in front of everyone so they knew that they their answers couldn't be seen but there was like weird stuff like if the if the person if the person that said was who's uh clearly stated that they were cheating if they were wearing a different college jersey then the other okay. people cheating decreased but if they were wearing the same it increased so it was like it look your man is from he's from ucd 
he's cheating, we're from Trinity, we don't do that. But if he's like, oh, look, your man from Trinity is cheating, we'll do it as well. That that kind of yeah. That was that was one aspect of it. Now I can't remember all of the specific treatments and different details, but yeah. but it re- it really got me really interested in that in that kind of behavioural economics. It was a, it was a paper by Dan Ariely. Oh yeah, yeah. Who, if you're if anyone who's not familiar with this topic, there's a super book called I can't remember what it's called. Um, predictably, er, predictably predictably irrational. irrational I think it's called for years I called it irrational predictability or something like that and I didn't realise <laughs> it was wrong so that was and now I How can never remember what it's called but it's a really really it's a really good read uh, for yeah. a couple of reasons it really introduces those concepts really really simply yeah like like really really uh, easy to read language and like because I think when it comes to psychology for me anyway and others I think is that you can be off put by the language the complexity of the the complexity of the language and I I, this is only a hunch but I think it's some people do it on purpose to try and sound like they're really fancy when it's like when you're trying to communicate simple information it's better to do it in a simple way oh yeah maybe that's not always possible when you're trying to describe psychological concepts and whatnot but That's what I really like about uh, Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein. You know, if you take mm. Nudge, for example, it's a very, very accessible book. Mm. And it it explains in a very, very accessible way kind of the um, the basics of how particular conditions uh, influence us. Mm. Um, and, and it, you know, I, I one thing I actually really love, just going back to what you were saying about kind of the, um, you know, the the kind of the 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 economic kind of uh, explanations of behavior versus to say the behavioral economic mm. is uh, is the way that they nicely kind of differentiate between the econ and the human uh-huh you know econ, econs would yeah, never yeah. make this decision you know yeah. whereas hu- humans do and it's kind of really uh, in a very accessible way trying to explain to people that what we what we uh, should be doing is not always what we do. And in fact, in a lot of cases, we, we don't do that. You know, we don't save for, for mortgages or we don't save a- for pensions. Absolutely. So for anyone listening that hasn't read, no, that's Nudge, isn't it? That, that's, nudge. yeah, Nudge. nudge. So the, e- yeah. E- econs and humans. So humans are us, like, yeah. handsome behavioral scientists like myself. Yeah, exactly. John. I mean, that goes without saying, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And econs would be people that have no emotions, I suppose, and are, <laughs> yeah. and are uh, driven only by rational. Yeah, very, rational, very, very rational, rational yeah. thoughts. So example, I just want to see if I take an example of this kind of thing. So there's there's an economic game called the dictator game. And it's, a t- it's so it's 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 a two player, two player game. And it's very simple. It's like player one has all the power. And so player one, so the game is, there's a hundred euros at stake. There's player one and player two. Player one decides how to split the money. And they can split it any way they want from zero, from from them getting a hundred to the other person getting zero or they get 80 and the other person gets 20. And player two has no influence over the game whatsoever. So econs would go, well, I'm taking 100 and you're getting nothing because I'm in charge. And people think that, yeah, everyone would do that because why wouldn't you? You'd look after yourself. But they see after playing these repeated games over and over and over and over again, that's not what happens. The humans give... They go, oh, that's not really fair. Look, you take 30 and I take 70 or, or whatever it is. And I'm sure there's an yeah. average across it. So that's, yeah. and if you can extrapolate that to, I'm trying to think of an everyday example now and I can't, my mind's gone blank. But do you like, remember that, uh, do, that reminds me, do you remember that quiz show that was hosted by Jasper Carrot, the comedian? I yeah. think it was called like, this is it, brilliant. It was called Golden Balls, was it? It was something it was like called that. Golden Balls. Yeah, this is yeah. Exa- exactly, exactly like that. It was game. fascinating to watch. 
that's game you know theory, the idea yeah, yeah, yeah the idea yeah. that you could either you know if you say for example you win a, a jackpot of fifteen thousand pounds the british show so i'll go with pounds yeah um so there i think there was there was there's a number of different outcomes but if you you could either you had once you kind of a, a, accumulated the money you had kind of two options there was two players and you had two options and each player could either uh say splitter splitter steel i believe splitter steel exactly so if one player put in steel and the other player put in steel so that in other words that they're looking to get all the jackpot they both go away with no money whatsoever yes if one player uh, or if they if they both put in split they split the jackpot evenly yes. so say if it's 15 grand they get seven and a half each but what was interesting is that if one person put in steel and the other person put in split then the person that put in steel got everything and the person that put in split got nothing mm. and each person had like a i think it was like a 30 or 60 second pitch to the other person about what they were going to do it's amazing oh it was fascinating and there was one or two episodes in particular where people completely overturned the predictable nature of these discussions so there was um, there was. I remember one episode where the person said, "I am definitely going to steal." That was the. That was the one because he understood. Because he goes, yeah. "Look, whatever happens, I'm going to steal." So, look, if you hit steal, no one wins. So, and he says, "I'm going to hit steal, and I'm going to take all the money, but I'll split it with you afterwards." Yeah. I promise. And your man's yeah. like, wasn't expecting. Uh, it's like he pushes him into a corner. Yeah. And it's like, well, make your move. And he has yeah. to, and, and he and he's no other choice. He's like, well, if yeah. I steal, I'm going to lose. But the guy, the guy was so convincing that he was going to steal. But of course, the punchline in the end was that he actually had given over the split. Yeah. So at the, the end, so at the end, when he said he was going to steal, the... Player two, who has been pushed into the corner, goes, all right, split. You better give me that money. And your man goes, split as well. And they automatically split the money. And he's like, well, why did you do that? He's like, well, it was the only way that I knew I could be guaranteed yeah. that we could both win. Because it was a, it was fascinating. Fascinating. It was great to watch. But it, as mm. you were saying, it kind of you can really see how that overlaps with what you were talking about. Yeah, so we, we did. I think we actually watched that clip. Yeah. in university I think because it's a really great explainer of how uh, how those things work but uh, one of my friends did wrote a paper not wrote a paper he did a paper on it was more on unethical behaviour but it's when when you get two players in a game that conspire together that's when cheating goes through the roof because mm. it's like ah so you think about corruption and like you look, you look at all like corruption is like obviously rife throughout the world. Like you hear all these stories like, oh, look, there's another hundred million dollars that was embezzled from here to here or not paying their taxes or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's when people get together because it's like, well, he's doing it. Well, I may as well do it as well. Like. You kind of you you see that a little bit, uh, I suppose, in relation to people's attitudes towards the environment and recycling behaviors, don't you? Like, I mean, mm. uh, the amount of people I've I've spoken to and I've asked them, you know, um, so do you recycle or, you know, do you do you um, go to the bottle bank and all these kind of things? Mm -hmm. And the amount of people, like, I won't say a a, a, lar a large number of people, but a notable amount of people will say. But like, what is the point in me engaging in these environmentally friendly behaviors when you have countries around the world that are just doing so much damage to the environment, you know, just tons and tons and well, not even tons, but like so much um, damage. I mean, what is one person? How is my behavior going to somehow offset the tremendous, tremendous kind of damage? Yeah, and I, I, I would love to have a prepared answer for someone yeah. if they come up with that sort of 
Yeah, well, I suppose the, the, the thing about it is that you see, you know, various kind of instances uh, over time where like one person doing something and then lobbying for change brings about mass change or brings about mass movement. So mm. don't have to go much further than than Greta Thunberg and yeah, yeah, yeah. whether, you know, people like I know there's there's a number of people that, uh, you know, have maybe have kind of concerns about the philosophy of, of behind uh, the movement or whatever. But my point is that one person doing a protest with very little um, exposure to the media or whatever creates a global movement. And yeah, it's incredible. And that is environmentally focused, you know, so it, yeah. it, it's a perfect example of how one person can make a difference. Yes, there still is, there still is um, this kind of, maybe like environmental damage occurring but it still is good evidence to show that these things are yeah the, these the, things are possible yeah there's a very interesting video i'm going to try and do an analogy here for this there's a very interesting video and it's about it's 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 a guy dancing on his own at a music festival <laughs> and he's in like it's it's at like the equivalent of electric picnic or one of those kind of festivals it's in Europe somewhere, I don't know where. And he's just on his own. And everyone's just, it's in, it's in way in the back. So everyone's just sitting down, relaxing. And he's on his own. And he starts doing all this cool, crazy dancing. And everyone's kind of just looking at him, laughing at him. And then one, another person joins him. And then a third person joins him. Then there's three of them. And then it's like a, 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 an avalanche of people all run to the same spot. Cause it's like, ah, oh, look at he's laughing. Ah, oh, he's stupid. Someone else goes in. Oh, maybe he's not. Oh, and then everyone wants to be a part of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's the same kind of snowball kind of effect. Yeah. So you just, I assume like, I, 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 you kind of think that that's a really good example. Like you think of, um, you know, bystanders or, or people that are maybe afraid to take action in a particular exactly. situation. Exactly. And once that one person puts themselves forward to, 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 to kind of to, to help or to join in or whatever, then you start it all it, it like it, it makes it kind of acceptable, socially acceptable. There's less social disapproval or perceived social disapproval yeah, to, to yeah. join. Because if you're because if you if you're Okay, first of all, if you're the idiot, they're on their own. You're, you, there's one guy on their own. You're, you're not. You're, if you're a single, uh, like a, a person on their own, going, I'm not joining that crazy guy. He's yeah. on his own. But then it's like, oh, there's two people up there. Is like, oh, no, I'm not sure. But if there's three or four, it's a group. Oh yeah, they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I want to know. It becomes accept. Yeah, I suppose it becomes acceptable in the sense that we have been we've been exposed to many times in our lives of, of groups of people dancing. Like if you go into a, whenever, you know, whenever this actually occurs again, Ben, when people are actually able to dance in groups on a dance floor, I don't know uh -huh. when that'll ever happen again. Yeah. But, um, you know, if one person is dancing on their own, it's like people just kind of stay well away. But as soon as you have, because again, we have that, we, we don't usually, we're not usually exposed to one person dancing in, in a, you know, in a, in a, notably sure. sized area but when you have a few people it's like that kind of typical you know the, the as soon as one person gets up the dance and then a couple of join and everyone just fills the dance floor at yeah. things like weddings but that's the social thing like like with one of um in persuasion psychology one of the key principles is social proof so that is that we look to others to 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 I suppose validate our own behavior, or if if we're going to do something, do you ever, but you, you you'll do it automatically. You'll notice if you're ever in a situation that's uncertain, and you don't know what to do, you'll just go. You'll start looking around the room and go, "What what are they doing? Oh yeah, I'll just do that as well." Or if it's like if it's somewhere in you like you're you're going to the gym for the first time, you don't know how to use the machines or something like that, or you're very good example actually, or whatever yeah. that your people you just start looking around and go oh, I'll copy that guy over there or like it's it's that uncertain feeling yeah and it's actually, it's the same it's the same sorry john it's the same reason why like facebook likes 
is social proof. Like all oh, ten thousand people like that who have watched that video. It must be worth watching. Yeah. But I suppose it's safety. It's safety as well. Like if you think about it, going back to ev evolutionary. I can never say that word. Evolutionary. Evolutionary. <laughs> evolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> like safe safety in numbers like when you're yeah. as as our the human race was developing it's like if you want to exactly. be safe if you want to be safe all those guys over there they know what they're at they're huddled together yeah but it's there's some it's really a, interesting stuff i don't know there, oh yeah today but how, how how the differences in social proof because there's different types that yeah. w that can backfire like yeah i in certain I love the, states going back to um going back to the yeah the idea of kind of noticing what other people are doing there was a there was a paper by nolan i think it was like 2008 or something looked at a normative messaging again it's an environmental what's focus normative, one. what's normative so it was basically the idea that you know people are if, if people um if people learn or if people are made aware that everyone is engaging in a certain type of behavior you're more likely to get involved it was kind of similar i suppose to what you were talking about earlier in terms of so social norms but what nolan did is wanted to look at the influence of messaging so if people were given messages or people were somehow was communicated to them oh you should get involved in recycling programs because everyone else is doing it Mm. Uh, how influential would that be in comparison to say strategies you know whereby you say to people oh you should do this because it helps the economy or you should do this because it will save you money or you should do this because it's important for the environment and it was actually found that the idea that like that that people would engage in these types of pro-environmental behaviors because everyone else was doing it or it was it was um understood that everyone else was doing it had a larger effect sure. than these other than these other um antecedent strategies yeah. so it it kind of goes back to that idea that we can actually nudge people towards engaging in environmentally friendly behaviors um by kind of leading them to believe that they should be doing it because other people were doing it you know like for example i remember chatting to a student a few years ago it was it was whenever the uh, the last big kind of snow storm or whatever happened mm. in ireland and they were talking about how they went outside and they started to um they started to uh shovel the snow from the their their driveways but they also started to shovel the snow from the path and there's this you know there, there's a certain even though the path isn't part of your driveway or isn't part of your walkway it is directly outside your house so once one person started to do it, other people were less focused on just on just their their driveway or their pathway, but started to do their own kind of bit of uh, walkway outside their house, even though maybe it wasn't as required. But once they noticed other people were doing it, they they joined in and it be, kind of became a, like a social event. Yeah, like hotels use that messaging for. This is a, I think this, there was actually a study done on this with this copy as well. It was like, so hotels obviously spend loads of money every year on uh, cleaning towels. So that everyone gets a fresh towel oh. every day. So they tried loads of different messages and said, oh, if you hang up, if you use your towel twice and hang it up, it'll help the environment. So all these different messages. And the message that people that imp worked the best was something like 79% of our hotel guests uh, reuse their towel. Something like that. And they go, oh, well, if everyone else is doing it. And that's, it's, re it's, it's really interesting as well. If you, can, if you can do that in... Okay, let me try and explain this. If you can let people know at what uh in at what stage of the hierarchy of a hierarchy they are in a social group and and let them know where they are and what they need to do to progress in that social group to go up the hierarchy that's how you get people to that's really really it's really motivational for people so i'll detail that um 
it's like this is where you get into conspicuous consumption and oh okay why <clears throat> conspicuous consumption in layman's terms in easy language is why people buy stuff to make them look good right that's so interesting okay so like uh it's why people buy Nike Air Max that can't really afford them. Do you know, like that? You want you, you like say say the social group is your group of mates. You buy a new pair of Nikes so you can look cool and you can have lots. It's social. It's status. So you're trying yeah. to increase your status in a, within a social group. And does that does that translate well to other con like to to many contexts? Yeah. So if if you think of it like. It's like looking at your neighbor. The jo yeah. there's, there's a really good paper called Keeping Up With The Joneses. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. And it essentially shows that we... Um, so there's, say, say there's a hierarchy, as I said, of, of levels of your social status. And you could do this, for example, with... Let me try and think of an example. Airlines do it. So <clears throat> think the social group is everyone who is a customer of that airline. And then you get frequent flyer miles and they tell you, you are in the gold circle. For just if, so it's like you are one of, you are one of 20% of our customers in the gold circle. If you want to get to the platinum circle, where there's only 3% of our customers, you just need to uh, spend X more money on these flights, and then you'll get into the gold circle, or the platinum circle, where you get all these extra benefits. So they go, ah, I'm in this group of the 20%. I want to be in the 3% group, because that's more exclusive. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy more flights or buy more, whatever, or spend more money so I can get into that exclusive group. That's, that's fascinating. Yeah. So, that, and <clears throat> people go on, go on, go on. No, no, no. You go ahead because I have a, a something just social media related or, or media related to bring into well, that. There's, there's a social media thing that, so there's a, there's a Facebook page called pundit arena it's a sports oh i think i might have heard of it it's a sports i think it might be just football actually soccer um, soccer which soccer. is back tonight yeah i'm gonna i'm Premier gonna league yeah i'm gonna top body that into the score bag <laughs> um anyway that's a bit i don't know if, uh what was i talking about i've lost i lost my train of thought now pundit arena yeah, so yeah. i don't know i don't know if they know they're doing this but they do these quizzes, right? So, and they go, there's 20 questions, and they say stuff like, oh, the average, if you get above, only, they say stuff like, only 5% only of people have got 20 out of 20 on this quiz. So you're already kind of going, if I, so if I know I get 20 out of 20, I'm in the 95th percentile of people. Yeah. But, but that, in, that, in, that encourages people to take the quiz because they know where they'll land. Oh, I got 16 out of 20. So that means I'm nearly, oh. I'm really high. And then they show that to all their mates and you get this competition with people tagging each other. Oh, I got 17. And that's what's pushing people. It's because they yeah. can show their mates, I'm better than you at this thing. It's that framing of the, you know, yeah. the the information. Yeah, because you see that with them, um, with some kind of quizzes as what what they'll have some sort of tagline. Um, you know, take the impossible football quiz. You're a genius if you get over fifteen, and it's like yeah. you get over fifteen. It's like I'm a genius, of course. You know, it's yeah. it's that kind of frame. And as you were saying, oh yeah, I'm going to prove that I'm really knowledgeable. Uh, you know, on football or whatever. Mm. <clears throat> but going back to what you were saying earlier, it just reminds me of a, of a very funny episode. One of my favorite shows, comedy shows over the years was Frasier. And mm, there was... Brilliant um, show. Very well written. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And there was this episode whereby they go into this very, very exclusive health spa. Mm. And 
they, there's different levels, like what you were saying, you know, there's different kind of levels of uh, status, I suppose, or whatever. So you could have the, I think they were on like the silver package or something. Mm-hmm. And then the, t- the two of them would look over and they'd see this door with like a, like a, you know, do not enter whatever. And it would say like gold members room. And they would kind of look around and they'd sneak in and then they're in the gold room and it looks, it looks so much nicer. And then they notice some fancy person coming in and she goes upstairs and it's into the um, platinum level. Mm. And then they sneak into the platinum level and it's even better. And then they see another door. Now, no one, I think so, maybe one person goes through the door, but um, and they, and there's nothing written on it. It's like, oh, that's so exclusive because there's nothing written on it. So they just couldn't accept the level that they were at. So they walk through the yeah. door and it's the exit and they end up in this alleyway. And it's like, be happy with what you have. Yeah, they just keep pushing and keep pushing. And it was a wonderful message of that kind of idea of social status. Like, could you imagine if someone seen us in the diamond room or the platinum room? I wonder what's in there. Well, here's um, the thing. It's, it, well, here's the thing. So it's like, no matter what, like the guy that got two, the guy that has two Ferraris in his driveway is still looking over the wall at his neighbor who's got three Ferraris. Yeah. Like it's keeping up with the Joneses, as you said earlier. Keeping up with, but that, yeah, exactly. Keeping up with the Joneses. So they measured this. Oh, I can't remember exactly. So they measured this with something like garden shrubbery. So they measured this with the, so, so they took the, the neatness, excuse me, the neatness and the loveliness of one's garden that yeah. the neighbor, the front garden that the neighbors could only see. And they measured it something like the number of really nice shrubs they had. Something like that. I can't remember. And then it was the people that had, more nice shrubbery they were held in higher regard in the neighborhood well something like something along the lines of that well in fairness there's there's a part of there's a part of this that i'm missing and i can't um there's a part of this that i'm missing and i'd have to go and read the paper again to be honest yeah it's like the read but the reason that kind of lower socio socioeconomic areas would still spend money on stuff that they can't really afford like whatever nikes or whatever yeah is because you're still you still compare yourself to the the, to the next social group you don't compare yourself to people over there that have loads of whatever porsches you compare yourself to the next people up does that make sense i'm not i'm explaining that very well but no, no, I, I, no, I, I get it completely. So, so like our another interest, I suppose, an interesting question that that leads from that is, are people, are people making these choices to gain social approval, or are they making certain choices to avoid social disapproval? Um, you know, well, so I don't is know it if that it's, it's a? I, I think. Well, I, I suppose you'd, you'd have to define then if social approval and status are the same thing. Yeah. So, so, so let's, for argument's sake, let's say what you're describing, social approval, approval is, this is social status. I think yeah. it's, it's to gain, it's to gain social status because it's like. I suppose um, in this case, it's like you're gaining social, so, social status rather than increase, your increase social status within the group you're in but but as i said it doesn't just have to be a group of friends that group could be an online community that group could be all people that are customers of a certain they could all be on an email list you just need to let people know that they're in that group yeah yeah if you if you get an email from whatever something some product or service that you're subscribed to and they tell you based on your let's 
say in, that based on your engagement with the service or with the product for example and let's say it's yeah. let's say it's an app for example and it has some function that you love and you use it every day and you get an email from them and and it says you are our top one you were in the top 1% of people that use this app to engage you're kind of going wow I'm a top customer of theirs yeah so and then maybe you get some sort of reward for staying in that tier tier is the word i was looking for not hierarchy but yes, different tiers yeah, tier 1 tier two, yeah 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 different tiers would make more sense um and as i said before if like you could be on the lower end of that and you could be not using this app at all but and you can get a message going hey if you use if you just use it a bit more you'd get these other benefits yeah really, they do that really with, it's, it's really they interesting. do that with um with um certain kind of like the as you as you know we've chatted about it before like i would i would game a good bit i like i you know i one of my hobbies will be will be video gaming mm-hmm. and one of the things that that certain um that certain kind of i suppose gaming kind of shops or stores or whatever do is to have different tiers or different levels of of um of membership so if you're a level one for example or a level two um, but there's a couple of ways that you can earn higher status or higher levels. So, for example, level three allows you um, to, say, trade in games in ways that lower levels wouldn't be able to, you know, and, and uh, you get a certain percentage off uh, new releases, you know, when you go and pay for them. And, and when you trade games in, you get a little bit more in terms of value. But there's two ways um, that you uh, in this particular place there's two ways that you can either that you can get to level three you can either earn enough points through gaming and trade you know trade-ins and that sort of so, uh, uh, sort of thing or you can pay a kind of a, a a certain amount of money so that you can automatically be moved up to level three mm. so it allows kind of two options for you to gain higher status you either pay or you are kind of engaging a lot in the directly kind of related behavior um which is an interesting kind of take in what you were talking about Mm. now we're gonna just end here on part this is going to be the end of part one because my signal is kind of breaking up a bit so we might hang up this call Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Misbehaviorist, episode one, part, it's kind of like part 2.3 at this stage. We, we, did do like, part, yeah. we did do part two, but we forgot to press record. Well, we, and, uh, when, to when, be I, honest, when I say we. <laughs> to be honest, it was basically the Empire Strikes Back level part two yeah. of, of, you know, or, or the Godfather part two. It was incredible. We talked about everything. We talked amazing. about spacecraft and oh. solved the world's problems. Yeah, exactly. Um, but where were we, John, before? I, we... Yeah, I think what I was talking about was the um, the different, you know, you, you have um, certain department stores that kind of going back to what you were saying about, um, say, things like social status, the different mm. tiers, the different levels. Um, there is uh, one uh, gaming-related department store that I would be a member of, and they have different levels of membership, and you start off at level one usually and things like that. And uh, One of the levels, which is quite interesting, is level three. Now, with level three, you get access to a gaming magazine every month, and you also get a slightly higher value for your trading games and that sort of thing. But interestingly, there's two ways that you can actually get access to level three. You can either accumulate enough tokens or points um, or credits uh, by trading in and playing and um, buying games and things like that, or you can pay to automatically move to level three. Mm, Uh, So there's like a a yearly subscription that you can pay in order to. So that's kind of aimed at people that maybe want the benefits and the perks, but don't play enough to earn it through the actual gaming experience itself. Well, so you can you can financially boost your social status. Exactly. You, you, you can you, you can yeah. you, you you can boost your social status by financial means within that social group. 
yeah as, exactly. as a means of oh look i've got all this stuff yeah yeah cool yeah, yeah. look i'm level three and no one yeah. need be the wiser about why you're level three apart from the, the staff that are actually there that probably know yeah but if you and, come around flashing your level three <laughs> but flashing your badge go look, look at me yeah like, yeah oh look because, at me i'm like because uh, it, it, it it could be that i'm sh it could be that in the, in one of those games that you can only progress to level whatever to tier three if you've completed or got to a certain stage in the game which means well that, yeah that that's the bit that between the lads between the group yeah well, that's the thing. It relates to video games as well as as kind of buying games, and um, just in the sense that you know you can, you, like there there are certain kind of like for example, there's certain games whereby you you can earn your say in FIFA you can you can earn your um your status I suppose through grinding as they would call it so you're you're grinding for say for example in fifa ultimate team you're grinding for um point uh points or for um i can't remember what's called them points or tokens or whatever that you can mm -hmm. cash in for for benefits to your player or your team um but people can also buy um a certain number of points that they could use to improve their team as well so you can do it through grinding or earning as you go along or you can do it through kind of fa fast track it a bit through actual payment and mm -hmm. um, so you see it in video games as well and it's not only like ones like fifa but there's other kind of there's other ways in which you can instead of being kind of timed whereby your um your the, the number of lives you have you know you only have a fixed number per hour or whatever mm -hmm. you know that you can pay extra in order to have more so you can move further further along or have a better status or whatever because of it mm -hmm. how do you think i saw an article recently and i i can't remember the details but it was something it might have been about it might have been Fortnite, or it was some kids yeah. game that they yeah. had to they had to take out an element of the game because the kids had to it was a chance it was a it, they had to take a risk and it was promoting oh, right. it was it was promoting gambling behavior because they had to take a risk on what the consequence was going to be so there, so, was like, so there was micro, something like a loot box i wonder that might that sounds like I don't know if that's what it's called, but in Fortnite you do have um, skins or outfits or certain things that you can you can acquire along the way. Now it doesn't improve the quality of your player as such. Uh huh. Of your it character. It was something along the line. A loot box sounds. No, I'm just looking at my phone. But if you think about loot boxes, I suppose it is a kind of a chance that you get a a very good weapon or a less good weapon or something that is of higher value versus lower value. Um, yeah, so Belgium, Belgium has banned them. So it's just here. This yes, is just from the yes, I had heard so about Belgium. So a few, response. few people have banned them because I suppose it promote it, it it promotes it it introduces young people to gambling behaviour. Yeah, I think what what it seems to come down to is the relationship between your behaviour and the value of the outcome. So if if okay. I, I could be wrong about this, um, but if the if there's a chance that you say pay or you invest something of your own and the value of the box could be substantially lower than the amount you put into it. I don't know if there's parameters, so they'll allow for being slightly lower or slightly higher. Um but if the loot box or whatever it is is substantially or can be substantially lower than the amount that you've invested, then I think it com constitutes gambling. Mm. And, and because countries those like Belgium really come down hard on that. Yeah, because those loot boxes, for example, as you said, like you said in the gaming options yeah. for your tiers, you can play yeah. the game and you can get your tokens, points, whatever it is, or yeah. you can buy them. But yeah, I think yeah. that's the same in those it loot is. boxes. Yeah. So you're buying something and then yeah. you're, you're, you're betting, you're, you're taking a chance whether, yeah. so that's essentially gambling with micropayments. Yeah, my, my understanding if, is if, that if you, Belgium if you, did the very same thing with FIFA. Yeah. But if you extrapolate that to millions and millions of people playing this game that are kids, 
betting money that yeah. they've invested on a massive yeah. on a massive massive scale Whew. yeah that that yeah. that can get very they're in Fortnite now but what happens when grand theft auto 6 or whatever it is yeah comes out and you can do that and you can be yourself and you can go into a casino with mike with and you can put a tenor in but that with the, starts the getting, microtransaction approach there microtransactions yeah. yeah and then and then Fortnite or grand theft auto just go yeah i'll just take a bit off the top of that that's I'm telling like, you, it's 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 a it's a dangerous. growing trend it's a dangerous. growing trend you're seeing more and more um, like those, games going that way like could you give your behavioral science background or uh that's the wrong word uh using your behavioral science lens look at gambling behaviors and the i suppose that'd be operant conditioning wouldn't it it's like when you pull the thing and then you get the yeah and um, there's there's a there's a there's a kind of a set of uh contingencies or conditions in um in operant con con uh, in operant conditioning the operant process and they're referred to as um schedules or they're referred uh -huh. to as, as intermittent reinforcement so the idea of this is that sometimes we'll engage in behaviors or we'll, we'll behave a certain way and we won't get a positive outcome every single time so it's ne it's necessary for you to do something but it's not sufficient to just do it once there's there's other there's other conditions in place that determine whether there'll be an outcome. So there's a number of different schedules, but the one that most closely resembles um, gambling would be variable ratio schedules of reinforcement. So I suppose the best way to explain variable ratio is to kind of break it down. Ratio is determined by you get an outcome based on a number of times you do something. So, so that's like in, if, sorry to cut across. So that's like you're if fine. you get like, you get a a a bonus every month, at yeah. the end of the month, for work. So it, something yeah, like so, so something like that would be, I suppose, would be maybe on a fixed interval schedule. It's fixed in the sense that it's the same. Uh -huh. number of or um well if, if it's in if it's in the case uh, instead of maybe using the the time example the interval example just in terms of ratio a fixed ratio would be every 10 outputs you get a bonus ah, yeah, yeah. Or, no, no, or not every time but every number of yeah 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 every so, yeah. number of so f or 10 or fixed ratio 10 would be every 10 times or f or 20 would be every 20 times variable ratio however it uh, constitutes like within an experimental setting, what would what the way you would determine the number for variable schedules. I'll explain that first is that for, well, firstly, variable ratios, you do something, something a certain number of times, but it's not a fixed number of times you have to do it to get a payout. So I might do something six times and get something, then it might be 20, then it might be one, then it might be 17. Mm. Um, and ratio determines that I have to do it a certain number of times before I get it. Now, in experimental settings, the way that we determine the numbers is an average. So, for example, if I'm going to give six payments over 90 bets, for example, um, that would be if you divide six into 90, you get 15. So on average, every 15 times you do something, you get a payout. But it's not going to happen that way. So it could be six. Mm. Then the next time it could be 20. Then it could be four. But if you add it all up the, and you get the average, then it works out as 15. But what's very, very powerful about that schedule is, I suppose, the potential distance between where you are now and the payout. You're always potentially only one more bet away from winning big. Yeah. Even if you have one big, big, for the last 15 times, you're still potentially only one win away. Um, and that's really powerful in gambling. If you look at that in terms of um, animal research, you see kind of very high rates of behavior. Say, for example, um, say a rat pressing a lever, you see very high rates of behavior over the medium to long term mm -hmm. on these types of schedules. 
And when you translate this to gambling behavior, you see remarkable similarities in the, the patterns of behavior, yeah, very scary, high rates like... of responding. Um, it is scary. And then when you couple that with antecedents in, a, in gambling, you know, the removal of natural sunlight, uh, the injection of oxygen into rooms, the, the free access booze. to free booze, the access to free booze, all these things kind of like we do have certain um, antecedents available to us usually that kind of regulate our behavior, for example, sunlight you know if we notice that it's getting dark it might increase the likelihood that we'll stop but if we don't have mm. clocks if we don't have natural sunlight if we don't have the natural outcome of doing something for a long period of time whereby we start to feel fatigued you don't have those cues to be able to determine whether it's an appropriate time to stop and mm. um, and it's so and it's a very getting, powerful and you're getting every time you win you're probably getting a some sort of chemical reaction is that, is yeah, that you're getting is that the dope? Is, is that dope? Is that a yeah, dope? Yeah, like there's various neurotransmitters. Yeah, well, various neurotransmitters will be would be involved. I would imagine like um, serotonin, neuroadrenaline, do yeah. dopamine. But yeah, so it's it's the and it's not. You see, the thing about it is it's all immediate. It's like when you win, when you're engaging in the behavior, when you win, you have the bright lights of you have the colors of the roulette wheel. You have all this um, stimulation. And it's a very, very powerful process to grab yourself mm -hmm. out of. There's probably yeah. also, as we were talking about social status, there's probably a massive rise in social status for that momentary, for that moment when yeah. you win, because yeah. you're the winner then, you're, you're up the top. Yeah. But then that, as soon as somebody else wins, the next hand or the next thing or, yeah. or whatever, if you're at the you roulette to, or whatever. You need to like, get back to that status. You're, you're back, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah but that's what's so powerful like gambling is just such a it's such a uh, an all a, a, a nasty a nasty yeah. sinister thing and it's um and one thing i suppose from a psychological perspective uh from a, a well-being perspective as well is that unlike other types of addiction you can lose everything in a second yeah other like kinds not, of it's addictions. It's not like a continual. It's not like a continual yeah. thing, like alcohol or smoking or whatever. Yeah, or... like that's kind of like I suppose, kind of for want of a better term, kind of degradation or kind of, um, kind of, uh, uh, disimproving over time. It, it usually takes a bit longer, but with something like gambling, it's just a split second and you lose potentially everything. Everything, but then, but then the gambler is like. Uh, yeah, but I was only a split second away from winning everything back as well. Yeah. Do you know, like... Yeah. I love playing poker now. I, I, I haven't played for a couple of years now, but I'm a big fan of playing poker. Yeah. Well, that's Poker's, the thing. Like, poker's I mean, slightly yeah. different because there is a huge element of skill in poker there as is, well. Like, and, and funnily enough, it goes back to what you were talking about, about loss, of, uh, loss aversion. You know the it, the the kind of the theory around loss aversion really plays in well to gambling, or sorry, mm. it plays in well to playing poker, because you have that. Um, you tend, you know, if you're starting to lose chips, you tend to maybe start betting smaller, because you're you're losing a lot, and then you're making smaller bets. And when you're making smaller bets, then you're not going to win as big. And yeah, but that's you, the difference when you need to be aggressive. When yeah. you, like, if if you're short, if if your stack is getting shorter and you're just calling, 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 you're just slowly yeah. getting. That's when you go, yeah. no, no, all in, because then, because yeah. then you can double your money, or you just take the blinds. It's a great yeah. game. It's a super game. Yeah, yeah. But you are right um, in the sense that there is more kind of skill or strategy to it, but it still comes back to the idea that people will make decisions that cost them their livelihoods as well, whereas you know. It, there are kind of ways like i mean i know some people are going to be like oh but it's not the same level of fun or the level of uh, same level of kind of risk taking that i really enjoy but if you're very very clear about you're paying in a certain amount and that's it you know it's not it's not kind of a key you know that what do they call it like um just thinking back to like james bond or, or oceans 11 or these kind of things where it's like you there's a certain payment and 
the 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 casino whatever whatever won't go beyond that mm. under no circumstances at least then there is a minimal amount you lose but um mm. still still it can it can be it can be uh, have a dreadful effect on people yeah sure and i i i don't know an awful lot about addiction to be honest i know um but there's some people are genet is it genetically they'd be more predisposed to addictive I, 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 I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I'd, I'd, like I'd have to. Yeah, like I mean, I would, I would imagine that there's some, um, I suppose, social psychologists, well, evolutionary psychologists out there that would probably argue that there, there, there may be some sort, some sort of kind of, um, you know, genetic component to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not too sure myself because the area of addiction isn't something that I, um, that would be one of my kind of main research interests. But it. it there's a, a large amount of research looking at addiction from various perspectives across various disciplines. So I remember the psychoanalytic. It, it a, yeah, yeah. Um, from that lens, it was a lot about social. I oh know if I get this right, it was a social exclusion. It, it, it's not social. I don't even know if social exclusion is the right word, but it was the lack of social interaction with other people. Interesting. Okay can lead to it's the addiction replaces that social interaction yeah. something well, like I mean, that i'd have to I, I, it was, it was yeah. rick Lowe, it was rick rick Lowe's yeah thing. yeah yeah if you're yeah, there, he, wrote, you? <laughs> he wrote the uh he wrote the subject of uh was it called the subject of addiction his book i think it was Could something like that been. he wrote yeah no yeah, I, I think he wrote to be honest i'm i'm only paraphrasing from what i can remember from one of his lectures now it was something i'd have to look it up but it was something to do with that the addict uh the addiction itself the whatever the draw is to whether it's a substance or whether it's a behavior yeah the draw is is that draw is replacing something else that you're missing it's the it, it replaces and it's like when people like okay so if people are in an, an addictive engaging in addictive behaviors they're not engaging socially with other people mm-hmm. they're like they're only going to the pub or they're only going to yeah they're, they're not having meaningful interactions with other people yeah i, I think that's it, it's some connection like that and yeah. that's so well, that would make can, a lot of a lot of sense from an evolutionary perspective as well i mean we are very very social creatures and sure you know, we, yeah yeah we would potentially do anything to try and fill fill kind of that gap and we see the effect of loneliness especially at the moment we see the effect of loneliness on on well-being and how loneliness is a huge or lack of or, or more kind of social inf or social um exposure to social situations is a huge kind of contributor to longevity like sure you know longer happier lives so it would would make complete sense yeah absolutely absolutely um okay will we leave it there john for our yeah i mean we could keep talking but (laughs) this is yeah part two um and yeah i thought i that was that was a nice talk today nice talking to you yeah i I enjoyed that um next week next next time uh, i'm gonna have a look at that framing cool with the yeah what i might do actually just because i'd be genuinely interested in just looking up what we were just talking with there and seeing what the genetic predisposition to addiction would be because Mm. it would be something i'd be quite interested in yeah absolutely um, just for people watching out here remember we're behavioral scientists i'm going i'm just going to speak for myself here i don't claim to know much about everything i know a bit about specific things that i'm able to apply to a load of different situations but i'm certainly not going to sit here and try and blab on something i don't, I don't know so i want to check out that genetic predisposition though mm, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah and i'm sure well, this is the thing about psychology. Like, it depends what lens you have on. It depends which angle you're coming it from. Does. Yeah. Um, and what, what, that's what I really like is that you can find from two diff, from two comp- not necessarily competing theories, but from two from different ele- from different coming from different directions. You can still see similarities 
of how yeah. they, in, they interact with each other, whether it's from a neuro neurological yeah. point of view when you're talking about getting a dopamine hit. Yeah. And that and Ben, that's what I love about uh, behavioral science in general. That's this kind of cross disciplinary approach to mm. explaining human behavior that, you know, open mindedness is so important and we're able to learn from what neuroscientists have to say, what um, behavioral economists, um, neuromarketers, all these people that contribute to the area of behavioral science, I can learn. I mean, I'm, I, I find consumer psychology fascinating, but it wouldn't be one of my main areas of specialism. So mm. I love learning about that. And that's what's great about behavioral science is that you can bring a lot of like-minded individuals with clear kind of philosophies and goals together to... Um, uh, to, to talk and to develop our understanding of this absolutely absolutely and I think that's a fantastic place to leave us for today to I leave think it so. for today so thank you everybody uh, who has been listening um, we plan to do this over the next while over the coming weeks and months I hope um, yeah. and if you have any questions uh, drop them in the comment we're not exactly sure what we're doing where this is going to be yet but we think it's going to be on LinkedIn and YouTube and maybe some other places as well so yeah. if you have any questions drop them in and in the meantime have a great week and I should play have you great, out with our wonderful uh, our wonderful tune enjoy that'll get stuck